Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Wood Talk. For woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Alright, welcome to Wood Talk number 306 for April 25th, 2016. On today's show, we're talking about sanding between coats, spalting your wood for fun and profit, resaw or plane, and hobbies outside of woodworking. But before we get to all that, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Bruso Hardware. Bruso Hardware provides high-quality, American-made woodworking hardware for furniture, cabinets, boxes, and more. Wood Talk listeners can use coupon code WOODTALK for 10% off your first order at Bruso.com. I suggest you go do that, because saving money is a cool thing, and everyone likes to do it. So go to Bruso.com, save 10%. Listen to the show first. Yes, after you're done, then go to Bruso.com. Or do both. Multitask, people. Come on. That's right. That's what an extra tab is for. Um, We'd also like to thank a few folks who helped us out with donations. David Watson, Mike Zellman, Peter Steeper. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We appreciate the support. And if you want to help out, too, you can. Just go to woodtalkshow.com. Look over in the side column for the donation links and click them. And then uh, put your credit card information in there and send us a few bucks. We always appreciate that. And we'll mention your name at the beginning of the show, like we did for David, Mike, and Peter. So uh, that kind of support really helps us keep things going. We appreciate it. Let's get into what's on the bench. For me, I'm fighting the crud, boys. (laughs) The kid crud. Came from Mateo, passed to Ava, passed to me, and Nicole got a little bit of it. She usually gets the worst of it, and thankfully this time she uh, was spared. But I was not and got my first... I would say probably my first cold in about a year and a half, almost two years, ruined my streak, unfortunately. And I am just full of it. And I'm like on day four, day five of this. And there is just uh, lots of stuff pouring out of my nostrils. It's quite a mess, my friends. And uh, so hopefully my voice will hold up for the show and we'll get through this without any uh, bad events. So good stuff. Or we'll have some comical squeaks that we can make fun of. There could be squeaks. There could be uh, shorting of uh, circuits because liquid is getting into the microphone. <laughs> it, it's, it could be a whole thing. That's, that's a vivid image. <laughs> yes, but in, in spite of being sick, 
I only took one day last week to take a day off um, at a courtesy for uh, David, who's working with me in the shop as my quote unquote guild apprentice. And uh, we took a day off, but made up for that by working on Sunday. And the barrister's bookcase is moving right along. I uh, got the doors finished for the most part. Don't have the glass installed yet, but the door lift mechanism, the sort of lift and push back pocket door thing is working out really well and didn't use any hardware for it. It's all grooves, pegs, and uh, stops, and it just works really well. I was, I was surprised it uh, came out as well as it did. So uh, happy to present that uh, to people in May. Should be pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. You know, have you commented or are you planning on doing some sort of Star Wars like circle of apprentice master thing that you <laughs> apprenticed under David and now you have David apprenticing <laughs> David apprenticing you? with me. Yeah. Uh, probably not. I, I, mean, I sense a theme here. I mean, I know we had to get find a mat because we're too lazy to, to change the name, but I mean, seriously, like you do the same thing with your apprentice? I think maybe we just have <laughs> really, com- we know people with common names, I think is, is what this has come down to. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, good stuff, and um, that's about it for me besides fighting uh, infection. Uh, but, Matt, what about you? What's going on? Uh, I was sick last week as well. It always sucks. Mm-hmm. I hate being sick. I just feel so worthless and unproductive. Yeah. I just I just hate it. But um, over the weekend, or Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, my sofa table was on display at the Northern Woods Show, which is an exposition put on by the Minnesota Woodworkers Guild here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Nice. That's fun. Did it win? Amazingly gifted um, woodworkers that submit their pieces to the show, and you can go there. It's like in a mall, so you have all these people like walking by, like doing their normal shopping, like, oh, look, fancy woodworking. Nice. I never knew that existed. Dropping their orange Julius on your table. <laughs> yeah. Say, oh, look, a place to set my sweaty cup. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yes, I mean, does that? Uh, were there a good number of people? Did they care in the mall look like that? that? Pretty baby changing table. Yeah, there were there were a lot of people that stopped by. Were really interested in what, what was going on. They had, I guess, never been exposed to it. Some had, you know, some had maybe like had shop class in high school at some point. They were reminiscing about it and how much they missed woodworking. So it's kind of cool to get. In, involved with like the community at large just to kind of see what people think about this kind of stuff Yeah, because a lot of this stuff is like really high end ridiculous stuff that like my stuff is nothing compared to it kind of stuff mm-hmm. that kind of, kind of thing so it's really cool to be like here's my piece see actually this really ridiculously well done piece that I probably will never be able to make yeah. <laughs> nice so really that I mean it's not like your stuff is shabby you know so what like that high of a caliber stuff was on display oh yeah wow Sounds pretty cool. Pretty, uh, pretty fancy for a mall. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, Shannon, did, what about did you? you? Get a, did you get a free orange Julius when you went to look you at it? You should have. When you I walk in the have. door. Jeez. I had to pay a free for pretzel or cookie or something. I mean, oh, like the Auntie Anne's pretzels with the butter on them. Oh, those are terrible, but they're so good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll make it a hat trick and say that I'm fighting it as well. I'm <laughs> going around. Trying. Thinking maybe I'm winning slowly but surely, but yeah, it's it's just that time of year, you know. Yeah. Uh, Heather's been exposed to just about every germ under the sun for the school year so far, and eventually you just lose that battle. Yeah, you can only fight <laughs> it. So bringing much. home new and strange uh, types of bacteria and viruses, eventually you just lose. So yeah, I had kind of a slow weekend myself, you know, just feeling run down, but. I had a panel come apart on me this ah, weekend in the shop. What? And uh, I don't know why. I, I I can't figure it out. And it's really bothering me. Um, I mean, I know what I think started it. I, it was still working on this blanket chest. And I had finished the interior uh, da- uh, grooves and stuff for the interior components. 
And there's a lot of kind of putting it together and taking it back apart. And of course, there's like 15 or 16 tails on each corner. So it's, it's not a just slip together, slip right uh, apart. It's, it's a, you know, mallet fit to get that many tongues, that many tongues, that many tails and <laughs> pins to line up and go together. So I, I don't know whether it was just fatigue as I keep taking it apart or whatever. Um, and maybe one of the pins in the middle was maybe a bit too wide and causing some wedging or something is the only thing I can figure. But it wasn't like a catastrophic thing where like the panel like popped into two. It's just like I took it off and then like I was doing something else and I came back a couple hours later and I went to pick up that panel and it flexed. It was like, oh, there's a hinge in the middle. What the heck? So it's not like, (laughs) you know, it's not like it just popped apart. There was still some glue holding it together. So it was right on the seam? Yeah. So the glue failed. Okay. Um, and the only thing I can figure is somehow that panel must not have been jointed. You know, there was a gap somewhere. There was something that maybe I had closed, squeezed it out with clamps. You know, there's the danger of parallel clamps. They, yeah. they apply like 3,900 pounds per square inch. So, you know, you can squeeze out any gap. And maybe I did and I didn't notice it. But, you know, when, when I held the, when I hold the panels up, I don't see anything, but I've also got dry glue on there. So maybe yeah. it's covering up something. So, uh, needless to say, it was kind of a pain in the butt because I had to rejoint them, but not, not really. Like if I joint them too much and then I glue it back together, that panel is now narrower than the other panels and yeah, the dovetails are already course. done. Right. So it was like, I had like a card scraper out. I was like, just when I started to see like the, I, cause I used PVA on this. Uh, one time I probably should have used high glue cause I could have removed it, but I'm like scraping it, just waiting for the yellow tint of the PVA to disappear. And right. it's like, just stop. Stop right there. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, then I took uh, a really, really light setting on um, my jack plane and just made one continuous pass on both boards just to, like, make sure I was jointing it and glued it back up. And it looks perfectly fine, but it looked perfectly fine before. Right, yeah. So I, I don't know whether it was the constant taking it apart and putting it back together, having to use a mallet to do that, if I just stressed the joint, but... Even then, it shouldn't fail. I mean, you always see these these uh, glue joint tests, you know, and usually it's the wood that fails and not the glue. Yeah, maybe my glue is bad. I well, it's, it's like it. they always say: if it's not the glue that failed, it's the woodworker that failed. Yeah, and and I'd be <laughs> the first that? person to say I, don't know. I did something wrong. I'm not sure, but I'm sure someone said that. Some <laughs> I just did. So <laughs> I just don't see it. Like, yeah. how much flatter can I make this joint? You know, it's like That's it crazy, goes together, man. and it's one of those. What was it? Somebody on a, a recent episode was talking about finger tight. Yeah, like if you can close any gap with finger, there was no gap to even close with finger pressure. Well, the thing so. is, sometimes like when it happens at this stage in your woodworking, you know, you've made a lot of panels, and it happens, yeah. and you can't immediately identify why it happened that is the thing that's got to bug the hell out of you. Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, now what this happened Saturday morning and it's just been like losing sleep over this. It's yeah. Like, what the heck went wrong? And it just did just occur to me that maybe it is the glue because I've had that, that type on two for a long, long time. Yeah. Maybe it's expired. I don't know. Hmm. That seems like such a cop out though. It you does. Know? It, does. Uh, it must be the glue's bad. I'll blame the glue. Yeah. When in doubt, blame the glue. That's what they always say. Right, Matt? <laughs> now I didn't use the same glue I used because I just got a, a fresh bottle of um, of um, old brown eye glue. Okay. The reason I didn't use it in the first place is my other old brown was was old. It was like uh, was it brown too? Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> Truth. So and I don't know. I went and used the fresh bottle of old brown glue, and you know, so the, I'm not repeating the same thing. So I can't say yeah. if it falls apart again that 
Who knows? Interesting. Well, keep us updated. I'm curious to see what, what you determine to be the cause. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that once it's assembled, it doesn't matter if there's two boards there or one panel, they're not coming apart yeah, because of all those dovetails. So frankly, I'm just going to get the thing assembled and glued up and just not worry about it anymore. Yeah, get it together before it can all fall apart. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Nice. All right. Well, let's move into what's new. And uh, I didn't pick anything here because I've been uh, doing nothing but blowing my nose all week. So what do you guys have here? New boogers. Yay. Yay. <laughs> this first one isn't new, but it was new to me. It was sent to me um, last week and it's the effects of a chip breaker. And it's a, I guess it's kind of like an experiment, I guess you can call it. And what they, what they have set up is basically like a block of wood on a milling machine and it has a blade with a chip breaker mounted above it so they can move, they can feed the wood through the, through the blade at a consistent depth and make all these cuts and see like what, what differences it make depending on how far back the chip breaker is from the edge of the edge of the blade. And the video is shot like under a microscope. So you can like see like fibers like tearing because wow. they're playing against the grain most of the time. It's super cool. Very nice. I'll have to check that out. Who I got the second? I've seen that. Who did the second um, one here? I'll take it. This was uh, sent in by Clayton and it's a video guy who's cutting down some uh, trees and logs and this like gigantic worm snake thing is inside the log. <laughs> it's it's worth watching because it's it's like something out of like Luc- Lucasfilm. Like, turn your turn your sound down if you're at work, especially. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. go look now. I have to get the sound down very quickly. I, and I don't honestly know if it's a snake that got its head chopped off or what, but it's well, it's in it, half. It's in the cut end of the log, right? So he probably yeah. did. It's probably a snake that just got cut in half. Yeah, yeah can you see the tail end of it and the other half of the log? It's oh, very disturbing. It's disturbing, but it's also a little sad. But I can't take my eyes away. <laughs> oh, it's gross. <laughs> So there you go. Thanks a lot, Clayton. We appreciate that. That was nice. Oh, I can't stop uh, watching it. <laughs> uh, I'll grab this next one because I've, this is actually came in to us from Jared. And I saw this earlier in the week and I admit I'm a little, uh, I'm a little intrigued. Uh, Tormac has uh, a new jig coming out. It's a variation on their square edge jig. I don't remember what the model number is, but this one is SE77. The other one is SE something. I don't know, 55. I'll just make something up. Um, but this one actually has a pivot point to it. You can adjust a couple of um, kind of set screw looking things and the whole assembly will pivot back and forth and it will allow you to do convex plane blades. So if you need to do a scrub blade or a four plane blade or anything that has a curved edge, like a gouge or something like that, you can um, you can use this jig for that. So it's kind of a cool idea and it's kind of got me tempted to think, Hey, that might be kind of a good reason to take the dust cover off my Tormac. Nice. <laughs> um, I, I mean, this one of the things I, I very rarely grind. Um, when I do, it's usually cause I'm grinding a lot of steel and I'm making a curve. Like I thought you going to say, cause it's usually when you're on a dance floor. Yes. <laughs> I don't usually grind, but when I do, it's on the dance yeah, floor. I'm more of a twerker than a grinder. <laughs> okay, oh, right. boy. <laughs> There's an image. Hey, oh. You to get in your head. But no, this is just interesting because there is a, you can get a nice controlled curve out of this. And I could see some good reasons to do that. And cool. I still have my Tormac floating around and haven't, you know, I keep thinking, do I need this? Do I need this? It's such an expensive piece of hardware and I could probably sell it for a fair amount of money, but it's a good machine. If you like commit to it, you know, like this is the yeah. thing you're going to use to do your sharpening. It's fantastic. I just think I found so many faster ways to do it, Yeah, um, but it's a very cool machine. The different jigs and stuff they have makes things so repeatable. Mm-hmm. 
So anyway, this is just, it's kind of neat to see uh, a brand like this. They've come out with something new because they haven't really done anything in a while. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's available yet, but I think it should be within the month. Hmm, cool. So there you go. Good stuff. Who's got the last one? You guys got to put your names on these things. I don't know. I just throw them in there from the form. Is that what it is? Oh, these are from the form. Okay, I'll get this one then. I'll take one. Alex says, I found these, this pretty cool Vimeo video about making skis. It's not hardcore woodworking, but involves wood, and it's a pretty cool video. It has to be if it's on Vimeo, because they, <laughs> yeah. they only do cool it's, videos. They have to be artisanal skis. And I, I wish I could tell you about it, but I haven't seen it yet. So, Is there uh, dust glimmering in the sun? I hope so. That oh. shot, like the sun coming through the window and the dust is floating through the air. You know, I watched, uh, I was cooking in the kitchen the other day. We have a little TV and there's an Apple TV in there. So I was like just looking for something to put on. So I went to like a taste made uh, app that they have on there. And I started watching this cooking thing that was the exact sort of thing that all of the, <laughs> the like videos that make fun of these videos, it's what they're making fun of. And it was with food, not woodworking, but it, the slow motion thing of this like guy who's super passionate and he's like picking mushrooms in the forest and <laughs> all this stuff. I'm like this is like where the toast video comes from. Like <laughs> it was like totally artisanal, but you know, when it comes down to it, it's just food people and you're going to poop it out and it's going to look the same as <laughs> McDonald's would look when you poop it out. Well, maybe not depending gonna on look like that snake that got cut in half. Yeah. It's all going to look like that snake, a headless snake coming out of a log. <laughs> that is gross. Anyway, sorry for that. Uh, let's go into our kickback. Here's where you get to sound off on things from previous shows, information that you may have found and uh, stuff you want to add to the conversation. First one here is from Wade. He says, the question of, do I still have the same axe after I've replaced the head once the handle, uh, blah, 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 blah. He says, is a woodworking case of Theseus Paradox. And he gives us a Wikipedia article, which is actually kind of interesting. I didn't read the, the whole thing, but I'll read the, the top end. It says, the ship of Theseus, also known as the Theseus Paradox, is a thought experiment that raises the question of whether an object that has had all of its components replaced remains fundamentally the same object. And uh, this is kind of cool. It's interesting that there's a whole like section of philosophy devoted to this this conversation about that. So take a look and uh, read for yourself. Kind of interesting reading. Next one is from Brian. Uh, this is a kickback on the shop security thing. Mm. Uh, one thing you can do to help get your tools back in the event they are stolen is to engrave your driver's license number on them. On occasion, the police bust someone that has a garage sale of of uh, stolen tools a driver's license number is the easiest way for the police to figure out to whom they belong to i have had a few tools returned to me a few months after they walked off the job site and it's great to get a call from the sheriff not get a ticket but a tool instead huh. also a marked tool makes it hard to pawn at the neighborhood pawn shop hmm. very nice good to know i appreciate that yes. <clears throat> now i just have to remember what my driver's license number is it's on your license, so in case in case you need it for be, reference, gotta be looking stuff. Up. It's accessible. I'm too busy watching this guy make wooden skis. All right, this next one comes from Ben. He says, "Mark, you yeah. make fun of Shannon being a Neanderthal using hand tools, yet you have a landline?" <laughs> question mark. Question mark. Exclamation. Sell your Domino, you luddite. Look, here's why. I have. I was a, gonna say something on the show, but I didn't. You know, I have two reasons. I have a business. And I have uh, medical things and kid-related stuff that all utilize that phone number uh, just because that's what we've used for years. We've had that, that line for a long time. It becomes really difficult to just get rid of that line 
and not risk the chance of like a doctor calling or something and not having our cell phone numbers. So we, we have to be diligent about going to every friggin' resource we we've used that phone number for and making sure they have the correct number. Uh, and then we, we generally, other than that, we don't, we don't use it. We pay for it and it just kind of sits there uh, until some kind of stupid telemarketer or something calls it. And uh, yeah, so I, I agree we should get rid of it, but it's a little hard when we've got like old used resources that, that continue to use that number. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. Yeah. But I will sell that domino now that you mention it. Screw that thing. I hate that thing. Uh, all right. Feature While topic. you're at it, you should watch this video about a guy making wooden skis. It's really good. Hey, you know what? Let me just pause the show and go take a look. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, feature topic today. Um, oh, nuts. I didn't put the guy's name. This was in my email. So do you anyone know his name? I don't know his name. I forget. Sorry, man. Uh, we'll have to put it in the show notes or something. Uh, got an email from someone who's asking a question about our hobbies. And I thought this would be a good, completely unrelated to woodworking uh, thing to talk about. He says, hey, guys, I love the show and find a great combination of education and educational and entertaining. I'm listening to episode 304 and you briefly mentioned that you have other hobbies without trying to pry into your personal lives. I'm just curious to know about those hobbies. I've thought about this because woodworking is actually my second hobby. My first hobby is running. I run a variety of races, including half and full marathons and even one ultra marathon. Uh, Woodworking, I think I said, I like woodworking, but it tends to take a back seat to woodworking. Uh, But that's because it's easier to work in my shop after dark than it is to run, although I occasionally do night runs. I think it would be very interesting to take a poll and find out what percentage of people with other hobbies um, and what they are. I'd love to talk about woodworking with someone while out running, which is where I often listen to your podcast. Thanks again. I think it was Dave. I might, it is Dave. Dave Dewey, Dave. right? Yep. Okay, good. That's my memory working for you. Nice. <laughs> well, I tell you, Dave, I envy you that you're able to run and have a conversation at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky to just breathe when I run. (laughs) That's, that's my main focus. I remember the last time I ran a marathon, I was in a training group that the coach is always like, you know, you want to have a nice conversational pace. I was like, I'm still trying to find that conversational pace. Yeah. I'm just trying not to fall into the gutter uh, here. (laughs) Screw having a conversation. Jeez. All right. So I thought this would be kind of fun. Uh, We don't have to get too much into the, the thick of it, but maybe just go around and talk about some of the other things we're into, what you like about them. Uh, and see if there's anything that maybe, maybe it's a polar opposite to woodworking, or maybe it's something that you could see the the connection to woodworking and why you like it. Uh, I just thought of another one. I have a couple. Uh, I won't go first on this one. Shannon, tell us about your hobbies. I like to go fly fishing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice because it gets me outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the one thing, even if the garage door is open, I'm still technically inside. Right. And, you know, when it's nice and sunny outside, it's nice to get out and, and you know hit the hit the stream. Plus, I can actually combine them, and I have a couple of rods that I built myself. Uh, oh, nice! Rods. So yeah, you can you know the uh, the whole grab a block plane and shape the little pyramidal thing, and then wrap it all up and make a you know a cane rod. It was kind of cool. It was one Sweet. of the first like serious, like really, really precise woodworking projects that I, I did years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, that rod still works great. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Tie my own flies. So there's a lot of the kind of maker type thing in fly fishing and a sure. lot of the, the, the geek <laughs> type thing, you know, I get into the, uh, the, um, the, the bugs and what's hatching and do I want to tie a fly to match that? And why should I use that fly? Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff to that. And Do you uh, it, like catch and release or you take that home and cook it yeah, up? Yeah, pretty much. I, there's a, 
well, we're, we're not huge fish eaters to begin with, but at the same oh, time, um, that's terrible. it's just one of those things where I, I kind of learned to fly fish when I was out in Colorado where most of the streams are catch and release and it just kind of old habits die hard. Yeah. Okay. That and the fact that gutting fish is no fun. <laughs> no, no fun for any, well, you know, if you get someone else to do it, it's fun. Yeah, I then suppose, eat unless it. you're the fish. That's true. This is no fun. Well, you, you know, do you ever think about that? Has there been uh, scientific studies to determine whether a hook hurts a fish's lips? Oh, uh, do they have nerve I think there have there? been. Um, I think there have been, but I, there's a difference between a hook in the fish's lips and a knife down their belly. Together, so <laughs> Yeah, there is. I think the second one hurts. But it also had me thinking, you know, you're just hurting them and then throwing them back and be like, okay, thanks for the fun. Enjoy that hole in your lip. You know? <laughs> Just, just, you know, thinking about it. My, my grandfather owned a fishing tackle store and that's kind of how my family was supported uh, for a very long time. And I grew up packing worms and fixing rods and reels, uh, in his shop. So it's, it's something near and dear to my heart, but I never got into fly fishing. Um, I did lots of fishing just, you know, with regular, uh, regular reels. And it's just the fly fishing thing always was kind of a mystery to me. And it looks very cool to watch. It's like a very graceful activity when someone does it well. Yeah. It's a lot more active, I think, than the traditional especially like bait fishing or mm-hmm. you know sitting there watching the bobber which has its place believe me <clears throat> you know can of beer and a nice chair Just and kicking watch back. that bobber right. but i think that's what that what i enjoy about fly fishing is it's i'm not a hunter but you could kind of put it in that same line where you're actually like reading the water and looking for that spot and yeah. you know especially sight fishing and dry fly fishing it's a lot of fun because it's there's there's a lot more that goes into choosing your spot and choosing your cast and mm-hmm how it, you know, drifts and things like that. It's a lot of fun. Sweet. That sounds cool, man. So uh, anything else to name? Uh, there really isn't time for anything else. <laughs> okay. Let's move right along. Uh, Matt, what about you? I'm pretty sure I don't have any hobbies anymore. Uh, <laughs> Being a dad, that's a new hobby, right? I guess, if you want, I was actually going to say that, but I didn't want to uh, offend anybody. <laughs> ah, screw them. <laughs> Thinking, especially more, more likely my wife, if she ever hears this, oh. saying that uh, fatherhood is a hobby. <laughs> Well, it's like saying you're babysitting when you watch your kid. That that oh, that really angers moms. That's, yeah, she does not like that one. Yeah, she does not like that one at all. Guess I'll babysit today. Thanks. <laughs> Fine, you go out. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah. So really, nothing nothing else. You just it's uh, right now just primarily focused on woodworking and and the business and and family. Yeah, it's pretty much it. It's either business or family. Any any moments I have free from the family is business time yeah. so whatever that ends up being but well, yeah i mean it's not really i don't really mind it's not like i'm up, i'm upset that i don't have anything else going on because like woodworking was my hobby before i went made it my full-time job as as well as making videos but woodworking was a hobby so the time that i would be spending doing my hobby back in the day is now the time i just spend just doing it for right, my living right well and you're running your own business you got a new a new baby and that that takes up a lot of time to do both those things successfully. So it probably doesn't leave a whole lot of extra time in your schedule to think about, Oh, what else do I want to do? Like, oh, I never have like the nice thing is now I'm like, I'm never bored yeah. because I always have something to do. Totally. Well, you know, interesting. One of the things on my list that I think all three of us could probably say is something we enjoy as sort of a hobby is the video and the editing aspects of what we do with our woodworking. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, I find that very fun. It's gratifying. It's a good um, accompaniment to the woodworking that I do. And it's a great way to see the project that I've made find life in a whole different format that has nothing to do with the wood itself. Uh, so it's like another creative task 
doubling the actual creative output of building a project, which is why I, I, I love it so much. But I geek out on the gear. Uh, I enjoy the editing process as long as I don't have too much to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy it in small doses. Um, yeah. But I, I like buying a good computer and having you know nice gear that can can rip through some footage pretty pretty easily. So yeah, I'm sure you guys kind of feel the same about that too. Yeah, well, and you know, to to echo what Matt said, it's it's a very fortunate situation that you know my favorite hobby is woodworking, and yeah. close to it is the editing side of things and the yep. kind of cinematography of it, and that's, that's why I say there's really not time for anything else because a day on the river is a day away from the shop, you know. <laughs> so right. it's like, ah, what do I do? Does so, make it tough. Yeah, it's a fortunate situation. Uh, so for me, I've got a, I've got a couple of things, and I kind of move through these at different times of the year. I don't do them all the time, but, uh, I'm a huge video game nerd. Uh, I love home theater. I geek out on that. I listen to the uh, HT guys. If you're in a home theater, great bunch of guys that do a podcast very much like uh, wood talk. And, uh, I, I love reading comic books and I like to cycle and run and Shannon and I compete all the time in our Fitbit challenges. Uh, he usually kicks everybody's butt, but I, I still believe it's because he uh, is in the shop moving his arm back and forth all the time. No, don't, don't let your brain go there. He's actually woodworking. <laughs> I know what you guys wow. are thinking. Didn't I go there, that. so you told me not to. Well, I just wanted to make sure someone thought about it. Uh, <laughs> all right. And uh, also barbecue. A lot of people who know me well know that I'm a huge fan of uh, smoking meat. And uh, it's just something I really enjoy doing. So I've got a lot of little another, things. It's another thing that crosses over with woodworking because you got to do something with those uh, scraps. Right? That's right. Uh, all the cherry uh, scraps that I have right now, none of it goes in a garbage can. It all goes in a box and eventually will end up in my stomach. Sort of roundabout way. <laughs> not, not directly. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. So yeah, I've got my hands on a lot of uh, different things. So you know what? We're curious. Let us know what your hobbies are. And uh, also let us know if you don't care about crap like this and we won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Off topic stuff like this. I don't know what people think. Let us know. I think it's fun sometimes. Learn a little bit more about us. Uh, all right. Let's get into the voicemail because it's really dumb to skip the voicemail section. Some yeah. Who would do that? People do that sometimes and it drives me nuts. Uh, all right. So this one is from Jason. He's got a question about the value of a planer. Hi guys, Jason Young here from New Brunswick, Canada. I've got a question for you regarding planer value. Uh, I have a Dewalt DW734, the taller of the two uh, two planers that they have. Uh, and I was thinking about Shannon having bought the 20-inch uh, Grizzly with the spiral cutter head. And I'm trying to rationalize upgrading my planer. Uh, the Dewalt has never, you know, I've had no reason, no no complaints about it. It's great. Nice finish, no snipe, 13-inch cutting width. But like all woodworkers, I want to upgrade to to something bigger, like a big floor model. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the value of going from a universal motor 13-inch wide planer to stepping up to, say, a 15-inch floor model uh, with a spiral cutter head versus a 20-inch. Same thing, spiral cutter head. I say spiral because... I have a spiral cutter head joiner, and uh, I wouldn't go back to a straight knife. Anyway, just a little bit of food for thought. Thanks for your input. Bye. All right. Well, <clears throat> sounds to me like Jason has a case of I need to upgrade itis. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's like it's this one's fine. It hasn't done anything wrong. I love it, but I want something better. So he's really looking at an upgrade from 13 to uh, if you're getting in a floor standing world, you're probably looking at minimum 15. Uh, that's probably where you're going to start and you could bump up. And that's what I have. I've got a 15 inch helical head planer. Uh, Shannon, I know you got the 20 incher. He mentioned that. Um, what are you rolling with Matt? 
Uh, 20 inch with straight knives. Okay. Now here's the thing, depending on what you do, you know, and Matt's a great example of this. Um, Shannon, first of all, have you ever used the full 20th capacity, 20 inch capacity of your planer? Yes. You have frequently? Yes. No. Okay. Cause I could see someone like Matt <clears throat> needing it more often than not with the amount of slabs that, that go through his shop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't often have slabs and I'll tell you what I've, the very, very infrequently run across a moment where I said, darn, I wish I had, you know, the extra five inch capacity, the 15 inch planer works just fine for me. And frankly, a 13 inch planer, uh, if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't committed to this, this floor standing one, uh, 13 would probably fit my needs for most of the things that I build. Um, so I think that's really the thing he's got to ask himself is, you know, first of all, what, what is he going to get from that bump up? And I think more so with the floor standing, it's more about power and consistency and quality of cut uh, and just overall having a better quality machine that that's going to probably last uh, last longer more so than what is he going to get for that extra two inches out of the deal so in your opinion guys do you think from what he describes that he should justify going for the 20 or is that just wasted money and wasted space well one of the reasons i went with the 20 well first of all i figured if i'm gonna go big i might as well do it you yeah. know i mean i don't plan on buying another planer so i bought my last planer was the the idea but i also do kind of like matt although his are a different kind of slab <laughs> i i have access to some wide lumber working for yeah. a lumber company mm-hmm. and um you know, I, I'm often, it's funny because they're, those are often boards that no one wants in the commercial industry. So they, we get these packs that build up of really wide stuff because it's been culled for people looking for six, eight, you know, six, eight up type mm-hmm. lumber. Um, and the other stuff just gets left over. And eventually we end up ripping them down at the mill so that we can use them for the stuff that commercial people are looking for. Mm-hmm. So I do get quite a bit of access to this stuff. And the, the thing is, is while I've only maxed the planer out a couple of times, the number of times that I've been over 15 inches is pretty substantial. So for me, it, it just made sense yeah. to, to go with a bigger one. Uh, the Grizzly, I don't think, was a massive price difference. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's okay. an expensive planer. but Well, $1,000 more. Is it? All right. Well, or maybe $800. That's a, that's like a pretty that. big price difference. It wasn't um, very much. It was only $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those things where I figured if I'm going to do this, let's just go ahead and do it. Yeah, um, right. The biggest change for me was the the power and the the quiet nature of a full standing model. Yeah. Huge difference. And forget about you know because I went from the Dewalt straight knife to a helical head. Forget about that. That was yeah. big enough. Right. And you know as I understand it, there is a a, a sound difference on the helical. Uh, I've seen all the numbers and everything, but. I mean, it blows me away. I was so used to doing those like 16th, 64th of an inch deep passes on my DeWalt. Yeah. Um, and now like when I need to hog off some wood, three turns of that thing, <laughs> you know, three sixteenths of an inch, it doesn't even hesitate, yeah. you know, on, on hard woods, yeah, not just tear it up or something. So, um, it, that's a huge difference and the lack of vibration and just the, the, just this thing is a beast. Um, I don't know. That was, that was so much more of an issue than, um, capacity to me. So I don't know. I kind of dodged a question there, but uh, it's I think something to think about, there's a huge difference between that bench top yeah. um, motor and, and a floor standing model. No doubt. No doubt about it. Now I, I personally would say, you know, if what he described is that the, what the DeWalt isn't, hasn't really been a problem. And if he had reached its capacity, 
you know, and said, oh, I really would like something a little bit wider, he would have mentioned it. So it sounds to yep. me like get the extra two inches, save a few bucks, get a really high quality 15 inch floor stander, uh, and you will not be disappointed with that. I think the the big reason is the the quality and not just the uh, not just the capacity. But you'll get two extra inches out of it too. Um, I had a twenty previously, and I sold it and actually upgraded to a helical head, but downsized from twenty to fifteen to regain a little extra floor space. And uh, just I never needed that that twenty inch capacity. Now, so. if you didn't have your drum sander, do you think you would have used the extra capacity? Maybe, but a lot of times by the time I'm putting something through the drum sander, I don't know that I would want to throw that thing through the planer, you know, because we're talking about something that's like a near finished tabletop or something mm-hmm. or, or post glue up. And uh, yeah, I mean, the helical head is a little bit, a little bit more gentle with it and a little less concerned about grain direction and stuff like that. Um, but that could, that might impact things a little bit. But even even then, I don't really use more than 15 inches through the, the drum sander. I usually get things pretty darn close to final width, glue them together. The seam, there's not much, you know, there's not much to fix on that seam. I just smooth, do a little bit of sanding or scraping and it's done. So, yeah. Matt, you got an opinion on this one? Uh, that they're totally different machines and it's like a totally different experience when you go from a lunchbox to a stationary planer. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and you'll never want to go back, probably. It's I, like couldn't, the, I couldn't imagine using a lunchbox planer anymore. Yeah, I mean, think about the low sort of um, hum that you get from a floor standing planer that just mm-hmm. whoosh. It's compared to the scream. Versus the scream. Like oh. the, probably the loudest power tool uh, for woodworking is a lunchbox oh, yeah. planer, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I would have to guess. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Your friends and family will appreciate your, or your neighbors and your family will appreciate the upgrade too. Yeah. yeah. That, the power is just ridiculous. Like Shannon was saying, like you just, you want to hog away some material? No problem. No yeah. problem. It'll take as much as you give it for the most part. Exactly. If you could fit it under the the like body of the planer, <laughs> it will take it and destroy it. So, <laughs> well, there's that too. The capacity, not just the width, but the the uh, the depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that what the word I'm looking for? You know, right. capacity depth. vertically. Yeah, you know, you can drop that table down like eight inches on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so not that I'm running into that a lot, but I've, I've surfaced timbers running through there, which is just kind of cool. Oh, it so. gives you the option to run your boards on edge instead of, yeah. you know, instead of putting them through the table saw, a lot of times that's a great way to, to trim them down. Yeah. Cool. You know, I, I would say if you have the space, I don't know. I mean, it is interesting to hear that Mark actually downsized. Cause I was just going to say, would anybody actually downsize? Yep. <laughs> if you had 20, would you regret it and go, man, I wish I'd had the 15. Um, but apparently that does happen. Some people do it. Well, and the other thing I was going from the mentality of a straight knife situation. So when I would send those blades out for sharpening, um, calibrating a machine and, and installing 20 inch knives and making sure it's like perfectly consistent across a 20 inch length is very different than a 15 inch length. But yeah, the reality sure. was I was actually moving to a helical head. So it's kind of a moot point in a way there. But I think I was bringing some of that baggage of calibration with me from the 20 and like, ah, let's just downsize. Let's go to a 15. Yeah, my mindset is once I when I'm spending multiple thousands of dollars on a stationary power tool, yeah. it's not something I want to do again. Right. Yeah. So that was, you know, that's that's what I would say is, you know, if you're if you're thinking about it and you're kind of on the fence, well, maybe just go big because do you really want to buy another planer again? You know, yeah. are you gonna have yeah. upgrade itis later on? Maybe, maybe not. But yeah. You know. Dude, total aside story, when I moved to Arizona, I may have told this in the past we had a regular moving truck and you know how they have that like flimsy uh, ramp that you get the stuff into the back of the truck with. Right. I took 
all right, this is going to make me sound like a complete idiot for doing this, but I took uh, my 20 inch planer down that thing because we got it up it. Uh, so I took it down and it was the most like near miss horrible nightmare moving a power tool I have ever had. It almost tipped over on the ramp. Like, don't do that. There's, there's gotta be better ways to handle this. Like hiring someone else who knows what they're doing to move your power tools. But what a nightmare that thing was to get down. And I almost spilled it. And we're talking, I mean, what's, what's a 20, 20 inch full floor standard. Like what, what's that going to be like 500, 600 pounds, maybe uh, my grizzly maybe is more? 900. Pounds. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not even close more than that. Yeah. If you have the extension tables on or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just yeah. know the ship weight was 900 pounds and the, like the three sixteenth inch plywood and two by fours probably comprised 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about, in, you know, we're talking about something like, forget the fact that the tool could break. This is something that could crush somebody. Like it would, Nicole was in tears. It, it was a mess. It was a terrible, a terrible time. So I was glad to get rid of that one. Cause <laughs> like maybe the 15 will be moving. easier to move. Just moving mine because it's got the built-in mobile base on it, which is like should be in quotes, you know, yeah. mobile base because it's Mobile-ish. like you push the pedal down to raise it up and then like throw yourself into it to move it across <laughs> the floor. Yeah, you know. Although once it gets rolling, there's that whole body in motion thing, which is a little terrifying once it starts rolling. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a beast of a machine. Yeah. When you drop the or kick up the pedal and drop it into stationary, forget about it. It's not moving at all. Yeah, definitely a consideration if you're going to have to move that thing around or even getting it in your shop, depending on your situation, could be a nightmare. Yeah, or off the pallet. Oh, is it really? It's, it's like four inches, four <laughs> inches up, but it may as well be on the top of a building. You know, right? Sometimes four like, inches and three hours of work. Yeah. basically. Every, every tool I've had to get down. 90 degrees outside. Yeah, it's always the most ridiculous process to drop a tool four inches. Jeez. Oh, anyway, enough uh, bitching and complaining. Let's talk about our friends over at Harry's. Uh, Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. They feature German-engineered five-blade cartridges that produce a close, comfortable shave, no cuts or burns. Quality is guaranteed, and they'll give you a full refund if you're not happy. They cut out the middleman, so you get to take advantage of the factory direct prices, about half the price of the competition, and everything is shipped right to your door. That is my favorite part, by the way. Over one million guys have already made the switch, and thousands are switching every day. Why pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com? The Harry Starter Set is a great option for new customers, and it's an amazing deal. For just 15 bucks. you get the razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. And those things are sharp. Let me tell you, Shannon's face can attest to it. He knows. Uh, yes. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of the show. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code WOODTALK. That's W-O-O-D. T-A-L-K, all one word. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter the code WOODTALK at checkout, and you will be on your way to clean, shaven heaven, my friends. <laughs> you will love it. It's good stuff. So harrys.com, thank you so much for contributing to the show. We appreciate it. And let's move into our email. First one I have here is from Trustin Timber. And he says, hey, guys, my workshop is only 100 square feet without 220, so I'm working primarily pine with hand tools at this point. I'd like to start working more with hardwoods and making small boxes and a benchtop tool chest for myself. I want to avoid the chunky three-quarter inch thickness in my design and slim the wood down, so I'm considering buying either a bandsaw or a planer. 
Uh, assuming I've been able to get my board straight with a jointer plane, that's 14 inch, 110 volt bandsaw going to be able to split the four quarter boards and leave them clean enough to finish off with a hand plane. Or am I better off getting a DeWalt 735 planer? Well, we know someone is probably selling one. You might want to get in touch with them. <laughs> there you go. Right? Uh, seems like a lot of laced, uh, wasted wood. All right, so this one is a little bit clearer. I think sometimes if you really want to go down the hand tool path, you may be committed to that. So go ahead, get that bandsaw. You're going to need a bandsaw eventually anyway, right? So get it now and then use your hand planes to do the surfacing. But if you're building boxes, right, and he says he wants to build boxes, it just seems like a flipping nightmare to like typically people who build boxes, build them in quantity, build a lot of them or build them, you know, they're fairly quick to build. So you might build a couple in a week. It sounds like you're going to be spending a lot of time surfacing those things with your plane. Uh, and not only to get them, you know, nice and clean after the bandsaw cut, but to get them at a consistent thickness. Uh, and the planer just does that without even thinking about it. Right. So I feel like if that's the route you're going to go and the stuff you're going to build is like small boxes, consistent thickness material is going to be a major, major thing for you. Uh, and you're probably not going to go that much thinner than three quarters, you know, so you're not going to waste a ton of material and eventually you'll probably get that bandsaw. You could recover the material and then just send it through the planer for the final pass or two. But I think getting consistent, like dead on consistent thickness material in these small boxes really helps because small boxes is that place where you go, ah, it's not a big deal. It's just a small box. But we've talked about this before. The smaller the project gets, the easier it is to screw things up and the more precise your work has to be. Otherwise, stuff just doesn't go together. Uh, so my vote in this situation, hands down, is to get yourself that planer. Um, and and don't worry so much about wasting wood right now. Just get it down to the thickness and be happy about it because you, you'll, you'll get to the finished product much, much faster that way. I think planing that down with a hand plane after a couple boxes is probably going to get old pretty quickly. Uh, so that's all I have to say about that. Sure. sure. I also think that people tend to <clears throat> forget about you know, resawing, you know, let's resaw this. And it's like, well, what do you have actually left? You know, I mean, boxes you can deal with, you know, quarter inch, three eighths inch thick stuff. So you might actually get some usable stock left as long as it doesn't potato chip on you, Yeah, you know, or yep. both boards potato chip on you. And now you have nothing. Um, it's not to say that if you plane wood off, that it's not going to potato chip on you if you don't plane it off evenly and all that stuff. I mean, it's all a wood movement consideration. Right. Um, I, I just know that, resawing is a lot of people haven't done a lot of resawing that didn't think oh great you know now i get to have one board into two boards well it's not always that way you yeah, know you're and not sometimes you a, lose a lot more in the curve than you thought you would and right yeah you're, um, you're not gonna also, get a half inch and a quarter out of a three-quarter board yeah yeah, yeah. and i i found i mean certainly it depends upon the the bandsaw you get but i found that i needed a lot of like extra market stuff to make my bandsaw resaw really, really well. Mm -hmm. So then there was additional costs that I didn't even know about just to get it to the point where I could, you know, resaw consistently. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lot of other stuff to think about. And I think that the planer will always be useful. You know, even if you say, screw this box stuff, I'm going to build tables now. Um, you're going to use the planer. Yeah. Well, and we always do <laughs> when we do the whole planer versus uh, jointer, which one comes first. Um, you know, my vote is always for the planer first. Yeah. I, I think in terms of just getting some pre-surface material, it's just, it's going to be so much easier and more versatile early on. And then you could add the jointer later. And I think in this case, similar thing, I think the planer is going to do more for you, uh, for what he's trying to do. So cool. All right, Matt, you're up, dude. 
All right. This one's from Brandon. It says, have you ever intentionally spalted your wood? I was at a craft fair and a guy selling boxes told me he felled his tree and intentionally spalted the turkey oak. I have not intentionally spalted anything. I've never like buried a log out back and left it out there for a year until it uh, started to spalt. But I cut like all kinds of weird stuff. So a lot of stuff I do when I'm out in the woods uh, gathering logs, I grab like anything that's, you know, somewhat solid looking <laughs> and cut it up. So I, I actually end up with a lot of spalted lumber just because I'll cut anything really. Um, but that's really it, I guess. So do you intentionally shove snakes in your trees? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, actually, story about that. The only thing I've ever cut into a live in a tree was a mouse. And that was kind of gross. Oh. Ooh. So like... Yeah get through the cut with the chainsaw and it's like, why is it like fur and like, is that blood everywhere? Is that my oh. blood? <laughs> is that like an arm? Oh my God. Whose blood is that? <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought too. It's like, if you see blood, you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Why am I cut? That no. is gross. Yep. That's, that's very gross. Well done, All sir. Right. That was a very spalty tree. That. that was very rotted. Yeah. Bloodwood. All right. <laughs> but, uh, um, this uh, next one comes to us from Bob. He says, what do you guys like to rub out finish between coats? What do you like to use to rub out finish between coats? Sorry. I don't like that term. It makes me giggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Normally, I use some 220 after the first coat. But then after that, I like to switch to uh, 4 aught steel wool. Seems like most of the time I hear people <laughs> using 320 paper for subsequent coats. Am I missing something? Um yeah, I think you're overcomplicating it. <laughs> um, I am I, I'm really simple when it comes to this. I have some, uh, it's actually Festool branded 600 grit sanding pads. You know, those like soft spongy backed sandpaper. Platine. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. I know Festool makes it, so it's got some fancy name to it. Yep. Um, and it was actually kind of a funny mistake. I ordered it from Tools for Working Wood and um, it comes in a roll and there were two sizes that Tools for Working Wood sold. And I just wasn't paying attention to what I added to the cart. And I, I bought something else at the same time that was kind of expensive. So I didn't notice like the price difference because I added the larger thing of sandpaper in. At the time, I think it was like a $20 difference. It's probably more than that. It's Festool paper. What are we talking about? Hmm. It's probably an $80 difference. Whatever. Um, and I got this enormous roll of 600 grit paper. I mean, it's like three feet across. It's a huge roll of paper. So that's one of the reasons that's all I use. But I've just found that um, it's more than sufficient to knock down any dust nibs, which that first coat is usually the the toughest part. I haven't really needed to go any lower than 600 grit. Maybe I have to sand a little bit more with 600 grit, but then I just use that all the way through to the very end. Um, If I need to knock the sheen back, if I literally have to rub out the finish, I'll switch to a, a two or... 3000, whatever, super, super fine sanding sponge as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's not between coats. That's like that final, um, rubbing out of the finish. Everything else is that sanding sponge. And I don't think it so much matters the grit, but the fact that it's the sanding sponge, that it contours to the surface a little bit more, even when I'm using a, a sanding block with it, it just gives me uh, a better effect than using actual paper, hard right. paper. Yeah. Cool. I do something pretty similar, you know, in between coats, but I just kind of progressively build up. Uh, after the first, first coat, 320. Uh, after the second coat, 
I don't know, I'll bump up to, you know, 400. It's kind of just whatever I've got in the closet at the time. Uh, but I never really go for between coats. I never go past 600 either. Um, it's only on the final coat if I feel like I need to do something to it. And what I'm trying to do determines how far I'll go with that. Um, but usually for the in-between coats, once I get to 600, if I actually apply that many coats, I stop at that point. It seems like it's just kind of extra work to do much more than that unless you're really trying to build up to like, uh, you know, super, super shiny rubbed out finish type thing. Yeah, and I've actually never done a finish like it, like what you did on your humidor, where right, you right, had right. that, you know, high gloss, mm-hmm. you know, see yourself in the finish. I've never <laughs> had a project that needed that. So right. I, I suppose my process might change a little if I needed to do that. Yeah, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different ball of wax or ball of finish. Okay, well, I think that's about it for the show. If you want to support us, you could. If you want to, you don't have to, uh, you can set up a recurring donation or a one-time donation over at woodtalkshow.com links in the right column. You can't miss them. And also go to the wood whisperer store at twwstore.com. And there you will find wood talk t-shirts, which look fancy and very nice. Um, you can also do something that costs you nothing. Go into iTunes or any podcast aggregator directory type thing and look for our listing there and give us a review and a rating you know something like a five star rating would be nice we always appreciate those and I don't have any to read this week but uh, we'll we'll read some next week Uh, Shannon how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here we prefer that you spend a little dignity by filling those out yes the more more embarrassing reviews the better please poetry's good sonnets sonnets are always good yep So if you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, there are many, 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 many ways to contact us. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Or you can call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Or Or, you can use our fancy contact form at WoodTalkShow.com slash contact. Or or, leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And of course, if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or any of our other episodes, find them at woodtalkshow.com. And of course, please go see our individual sites at thewoodwhisperer.com or woodwhisperer.com. Yeah, they'll both work. Whichever one you want to do. Renaissancewoodworker.com, but not therenaissancewoodworker.com. Nope, don't go there. (laughs) That guy's selling dragon carvings and stuff. And of course, mattcremona.com. What about the Matt Cremona? Yeah. What happens when we go there? Hold on, I'm checking. you want to know. Let me look. Hold on. The com is a Cox Communications. It's a ve- apparently it's available, so get on that mat. It's very hmm. important. What about flatmat.com? Flat flat mat. I don't know what flat mat is. This is uh I don't know what that is. <laughs> Whoa. That's weird. Actually, it looks like an old like Seriously, a, it's like a, a very old website. GeoCities type website. Yeah. It's a counter and a dancing baby gif. Interesting. Oh, good. Well, very nice. That's uh, That was totally worth the, the listener's time. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.